Welcome back to another edition of the Edge Podcast. Managing younger Brendan Slaughter, joined by recruiting analyst Jared Hallis and Beaver's Edge Premium subscriber Eastbeard, aka Ray Davis, joining us here on the Edge Podcast. This is the first time we're going video, adding a new component. We figured we'd roll it out with a bang with the awesome news of the day. The Pac-12 is back, baby. Restart football set to start November 6th, 7th, the first weekend in November. Uh, just, Jared, right away, what's that reaction, man? And we'll uh, go over to you as well, Ray. Nice to see you guys. Yeah, nice to see you too, man. It's uh, it's exciting. I've been down here watching uh, the ACC and SEC go. And, you know, I, I've had a couple of people even say something to me on the board, like I see you see watching those games and I'm like man I need some Oregon State football it's nice for me to, to watch it I'm super excited that uh everybody else is gonna have that now and uh you know it's not necessarily exactly what everyone uh maybe saw happening or the exact specifications that they would have desired but it's football and uh it's definitely gonna be good for for the team for recruiting and it's gonna be just a good thing overall Ray, appreciate you joining us here on the Edge Podcast. As always, we'd love to extend the olive branch and bring on the subscribers. And you are the lucky subscriber that gets to talk about the Pac-12 restart. I know you were watching the Pac-12 uh, live uh, press conference not too long ago. Just how pumped are you, Ray? And just take me through your emotions of getting this uh, thing back and rolling. Well, the thing is, I, I just can't even watch football because – Every time I see those other teams play, it drives me crazy. I'm thinking the Beavers should be out there playing too. And, you know, I want to see guys like Hamilcar, Rashid, and, and uh, Gums play and Roberts. And the defense is just going to be off the charts, I think. So I've been really excited about that. And now I'm just really pumped about the fact that we're going to be starting. I just wish we didn't have to wait until November 6th. But, you know, I guess I am happy that they were paying attention to the the health of the players. I think that's one thing that Jonathan Smith really connects with his players with. He really shows that he cares about them in every way. For better or for worse, you know, you look at uh, what the Pac-12 did here and whether or not it was, you know, unanimously electing to postpone the season, you know, a month and change ago or unanimously, unanimously, excuse me, come back, you know, whether it was, you know, right, wrong, easiest, best for them, I will give them credit. They stayed together. They stayed on message. You know, they didn't have uh, a Scott Frost or a Ryan Day situation in the Big Ten where you had, you know, head coaches that were trying to, you know, really come after their conferences and come after their commissioners. You know, everyone really stayed stoic and, you know, optimistic that things would happen. And, and I got to give them credit. You know, the, the Pac-12, you know, it got a lot of negative headlines, sure, for not being on the same schedule, as you mentioned, Jared, with some of the other conferences that are underway. But I think there's something to be said about the fact that we've had with our conversations recruits, recruits as families that have been happy that Oregon State has been taking this safely, the Pac-12 has been taking it safely. And now you can see the fruits of that labor. We've talked about it on the board. This is a free year, eligibility-wise, and the Beavers are going to get seven games out of it if all goes well. Well, that's something I didn't realize. I was going to ask you, how's this going to affect eligibility? But if they get a free year out of this, that's just seven bonus games then. Exactly. And that, and just to make that clear again, that, that is kind of the, the blanket waiver that was given to all college football uh, players. And I believe it was all false sports athletes, if I'm correct, Jared, uh, as, yeah. as far as uh, um, the extension. Very similar to what the uh, baseball players got last year, just kind of a – lost year so to speak so 
again, having, you know, a gravy year where we can, you know, play and not have to worry about, you know, having half a season, a quarter of a season. You know, if they don't like where their draft stock is, they can come back for a super senior, super, super senior year. So, you know, you got to love that the NCAA made that uh, adjustment to be able to allow for, you know, a certain situation or conferences that weren't necessarily aligned. Uh, Jared, just kind of touching base with you here. How important was it to be able to not only have, you know, that availability of, you know, this year can kind of flex around and then still get back? Yeah, no, it's super important. And a lot of people were curious about what it would do and how it would affect the, the numbers scholarship-wise and, and things like that. And, you know, is this going to impact 2021 class or 2022? Um, and I, I think what's going to end up happening there, obviously we've already covered that it's going to be a free, essentially a free year for these guys uh, who are still seniors. And I think next year for them is going to be something uh, kind of similar. You know, they're, they're still going to be on the team. Uh, but I don't think their scholarship is going to count towards the captain number of 85 that the NCAA has in place for these schools. I think they'll be able to recruit as normal. Uh, so for Oregon State, still things are going to look the same, uh, and the class is still going to be small. So do not take too much uh, stock into uh, what that ranking says because we, we all know what's going on here, guys. Yeah, once again, and again, just to just to touch on that point again, Jared, you've written about it. I've written about it. We've done numerous things. There's just there's no way around it. This is a small class for Oregon State. It's just a very small class based on the high number of, you know, upperclassmen guys they got right now. The really, really, really big mark of players in that redshirt junior uh, availability right now. So, you know. You, you know, obviously more players, higher rank, you know, that's how it seems to go, so on and so forth. So I wouldn't put too much stock into that. But just getting back uh, to the information at hand, you know, from today and, you know, kind of recapping, we already mentioned that the Pac-12 uh, set to resume their season on the weekend of November 6th, 7th. We're not exactly sure uh, what the schedule is going to look like just yet. That's uh, expected to be next week. Uh, other than the fact that we know it's seven games and that the Pac-12 championship game will be taking place on December 18th, again, Commissioner Larry Scott mentioning that getting the schedule in and getting that championship game in by the 18th, it would put the Pac-12 in line with the college football playoff. He mentioned the college football playoff today and having, you know, a um, you know kind of trying to line that up as best as it can. Whether or not a 7-0 Pac-12 team potentially, 8-0, um, I guess if you count the Pac-12 championship game, would be good enough to make that criteria is way far down the line and, you know, not necessarily worth diving into right now. But I got to give them credit for at least getting this going as soon as they could once they realized, hey, we got to go. Well, I think that uh, one of the good things about this is we'll get the players back on campus. And I think that makes them a lot safer being on campus, too. I mean, they're they're away from their grandparents and older people that they might you know pass anything on to and they've got testing every day and they have that training table to go to there's just so many benefits to this for the athletes that's a great point you've seen you've seen it as a model and i think that's where like kind of brendan touched on it earlier you have to admire uh that they're taking the safe route back and i think you just made a great point ray it is it is arguably safer for these kids to be on campus you, know, you can't avoid the fact that they're still going to be going to class and things like that, but it's better than them being, you know, kind of without 
guidance, I suppose, uh, at home. And, you know, I don't mean to say that in a bad way, but these coaches are going to be on top of these guys and be making sure that they are doing everything they can to ensure that their players are safe. Um, and I think that's going to be really important. And, and it's kind of shown so far. I mean, you've seen some schools with a high number of cases, but also a lot of schools that have had very low numbers. Uh, and I think that will definitely be the way it goes at, at Oregon State, just due to the fact that the Pac-12 does seem to be putting some things in place to make sure that they take the safest route back. In case you're just joining us here on the Edge podcast, managing editor Brendan Slaughter joined, as always, by my recruiting analyst Jared Hallis. And this week, we're joined by Beaver's Edge premium subscriber East Beave, a.k.a. Ray Davis. Ray, as always, we appreciate uh, you jumping on. I'm kind of curious just to get uh, your thoughts um, mostly on the seven-game schedule. How much different do you think it'll be from the fans' perspective to have such a short schedule? And is it kind of a situation where you see it as a fan, it's better than nothing, not quite full, but, hey, we got football? I think the timing of the schedule kind of works out, you know, because the other sports will be starting up uh, maybe even overlapping. So I think just having the, the fix of being able to see sports again and getting involved in it and then just keeping on going until the until after January and then you're right into basketball and then right into baseball. So I think the seven-game schedule isn't ideal, but I think that it's going to be okay just because you have that overlap. And it is worth mentioning, you know, uh, you, know you mentioned the other schools that November 25th, uh, is the start date for Oregon State men's and women's basketball. So those programs will be uh, able to get off uh, without a hitch uh, as long as everything goes according to plan as well. Those schedules expected to be released at some point too. Uh, Non-conference is where things get a little sticky as far as, you know, making sure each school kind of measures up to each other's uh, testing standards if you should play. Uh, but that's all yet to come. Um, I am curious uh, also, the Pac-12 – was very staunch, very quick, saying no fans, period. No fans. We're not even going to readdress the question or talk about it until January 1st. Um, just kind of your reaction, uh, Ray, first, and then uh, over to you, Jared. You being uh, in an area where there has been fans at college football games, what's your perspective on that? Ray, we'll start with you. I think that under the circumstances, it's probably better to not have fans. Uh, and the way that they they were going to be able to film the games and pump crowd noise in and things like that, I don't think the TV experience is going to be that much different. I just don't know how it's going to feel for the players, though, because they won't have that energy coming from the fans. And I know that Oregon State just feeds off of the energy from the, the students and the fans. That's a really great point. I mean, you got, you got them tonight. But uh... – I agree. I mean, I, as far as the TV experience goes, just from games that I've watched so far, uh, you're right. It's really not much of a difference, especially if they are pumping in artificial crowd noise now. That is dependent on, I guess, how good of a job the person who's in charge of that is doing. Sometimes you'll hear a cheer like five seconds after it plays over or something like that. Uh, but as far as the TV experience goes, I think it'll still be a really enjoyable thing. And at the end of the day, you know, you're not watching a game on TV to see how many fans are in the stands. You're watching it. You're watching a football game. Uh, so the TV experience won't change. You made another great point about the players. It is going to impact them um, for sure. It's a. It's going to be weird probably for them the first time they run out uh, and see, you know, an empty stadium. But the goal has always been the same for them, uh, and it will remain the same, and that's to win football games. And I'm sure the staff will do a really good job, you know, nailing that into their heads. You know, 
it'll, it'll almost just be something that, you know, they're used to, you know, in high school, you don't have a, you know, crazy amount of fans. You don't have a, a regional stadium, for example, filled up with, with fans uh, and, you know, practice scrimmages, things like that. You don't have fans. So it's, it's going to be different, but they'll be able to adapt to it. And I'm confident that, uh, you know, regardless, they'll, uh, they'll make the most of it. Just kind of touching on what you were saying about having, there has been some games here, a lot of games, and even in the NFL where you're seeing some, some sort of capacity allowed um my local schools are allowing like 20 percent uh which is mm-hmm. yeah 11 to 20 ish 25 000. so depending on the stadium size on tv it truly doesn't look that like distance and i've seen you know comments from from people who have yeah. already saying like I've, I've just seen people without their masks we felt like we were a little bit close to people so I, I think it's going to be a thing where time will tell uh, if there's any, you know, as far as like a community outbreak. Hopefully there won't be. Um, I think if there is going to be a model where we can put fans in the stands, it's prob- this is probably the only thing where they do have it limited in a very small capacity. But I'm completely right. doing the no fans model, too. I think I think it'll be OK. Certainly. And, you know, I think about, you know, to what we've had as a society for sports for the last couple months, whether it be, you know, the NBA bubble, the early NFL games, we're starting to see a few more NFL um, teams, you know, trickle in fans, but a good portion of them don't, you know, you look at the Seattle Seahawks here on the West coast, no home fans, you know, that's not necessarily expected to change. Same thing goes for San Francisco 49ers, the Chargers, the Rams, you know, the Cowboys had fans this last weekend, but it's all kind of dependent on how each situation is. Um, but I think back to like the NBA bubble, Jared. You watch games, the NBA bubble. You still do. Oh, you know, you know, as, far, as far as like, as far as like the, the the TV atmosphere is, you know, for if you're someone who like you know didn't know about the situation, you'd turn that on and probably wouldn't know that that wasn't you know a typical NBA game. And I think that's what you'll be able to tell from like the Pac-12 networks, ESPN. I've seen that as well. You know, it'll be different when you kind of pan up and you see empty stands behind, like, the extra point, right? That's where I've noticed it the most. Sure. But other than that, uh, you know, it's kind of making lemonade out of lemons, right? So, you you know, you have to do what's, what's within your means. And, you know, the Pac-12 felt it was smarter and safer and most advantageous for them uh, to be able to not have fans. And, heck, they're going to address it on January 1st. Maybe it's possible we see some socially distant fans for baseball. Maybe it's possible we see some socially distant fans for basketball. It's hard to say, but I think the Pac-12 needs more information. They want to know how things kind of crystallize and come together with this, how their student-athletes respond to, you know, hitting each other, being in close contact, you know, going through those daily uh, antigen tests and so on and so forth. So there's certainly going to be uh, a lot of, you know, moving pieces and a lot of variables. But, again, you you have to take it at face value, and it's, you know, a month and a half ago – uh, if you told me the Pac-12 was restarting in November, I, I probably would have had to slap you. I, I, I didn't think, think I would. You and I were both saying there would be no football at all. So yeah. uh, we're, uh, we're in a good place. Certainly. And, and that's the thing is, you know, keeping the hope, keeping the optimism. And, you know, um, it, it's, it, it's been a tough year, you know, for everyone. You know, you, you, you can – go any number of different directions for any number of reasons, but this will simply, some, certainly certainly give people something to smile about uh, in terms of just having uh, you know their team back on the field, whichever Pac-12 team you root for, 
And uh, Ray, that's a kind of a good segue for us to kind of talk about you a little bit more. Uh, I'm curious, just kind of give us your background a little bit on uh, Oregon State and uh, your background with Beaver's Edge and kind of how you kind of became the diehard Beaver believer that uh, we see in front of us today. Well, I grew up in Corvallis, so I, I, I went to Beaver basketball games when I was five years old and got to see guys like Terry Baker and Mel Counts and and those guys play basketball, and I've gone through Lonnie Shelton and Gary Payton. Uh, it's it was pretty exciting to grow up in Corvallis because back then it was pretty laid back, and you could just if you were a kid you could go down to the locker room. So I got to meet guys like Bill Walton, and they were really cool. They just they just sit there and pass balls to you and sign autographs, and and we got a kick out of that. Growing up in Corvallis was great in the '70s, but I'll tell you. Talk about an empty stadium. I mean, those teams were socially distant back in the 70s. They had really small crowds. Jared, I don't even think you know the pain of those years, man. He, Jared's coming into the fold late, Ray. You're going to have to tell him how tough the 70s, 80s, and early parts of the 90s were for this football program. Oh, man. It was like you'd go in optimistic and you'd be all pumped up and they'd get a new coach. You'd have Avizano come in and tell you it was going to be great. It wasn't. <laughs> they'd have Furtick tell you how, how awesome it was going to be. And, and uh, no, Furtick goes, he goes back to USC. Uh, it was just really rough because, you know, you're winning one or two games a year and you're holding out for four games, hoping that you're going to do that. And, when Cragthorpe came in, I thought he was just about ready to turn the corner. And then they got a new administration in there. And so they made a change, but he got him up to five wins and they were pretty exciting. And then, and then uh, he changed his whole offense for some reason. And that kind of set him back. And then Pettibone years were, that was a pretty exciting start, but then it wasn't such an exciting finish. So I'll tell you that Cal game where Oregon State won it to, to ensure a winning season in 99. I was one of those uh, guys who was crying because that was so exciting to see them actually not only not only get good, but uh, make it into a bowl game. And then the next year to go to the Fiesta Bowl, I was with my friend there and uh, we were just pinching ourselves. We just couldn't believe we were there and we had a really good time there. Uh, in fact, my claim to fame is I started the Rudy chant at the end of the game, so I felt pretty good about that. <laughs> oh, you know, I, I gotta, I gotta pay homage, and I say it every time it gets brought up. Uh, I got, you know, our, our good friend and publisher of the site, Mike Singer, over at Notre Dame, Oregon State all time against Notre Dame, two and O. Oh. There we go. Two and O oh, all time against Notre Dame, but no, Ray, I gotta ask as a Beaver fan, you know, yours truly was. Uh, quite young at the time, you know, some very, you know, outlying memories of it. But as a Beaver fan and a football fan, you know, you, you think about how connected, you know, the program now is with Jonathan Smith and you go back to that 2001 Fiesta Bowl after that 2000 season. Is that like top five, number one? Where does that rank for you in terms of football specialness, that game, that season? Well, there were some pretty special games during the time when Oregon State wasn't that good. I mean, I remember a game against BYU where they were playing against uh, that guy who played in the Super Bowl. Uh, uh, his name uh, escapes me, but uh, the guy Ty who Detmer? played the Bears. Who was, was it? Detmer? Uh, was that Ty Detmer? Detmer? 
the guy before him. Anyway, uh, I remember they were down by two touchdowns to those guys, and they they intercepted a couple of passes and came back and won the game in the last few minutes, and that was pretty exciting. And and uh, you know you had the the game against uh, USC in '67 that was awfully exciting. So you had you some did. good good times in there, but the Fiesta Bowl has to be number one number one through ten by itself. I mean that. Was, <laughs> That was an amazing year, and I just couldn't believe it. I thought that the Beavers were the number one team by the end of the year. And I remember I was coming back from Phoenix, and I was listening to the Rome show. and We were driving a rental car back from Boise, and uh, Jim Rome goes, well, the world is an apocalypse now because Oregon State won the championship and is the best team in the world, in the nation. So that was pretty exciting to read about the Beavers like that. And I'd like to explain experience that again. Riley came close a few times, but he almost took an NFL attitude towards the preseason. Like, you know, he'd tune up his teams and and then they'd, they'd get really good after two or three games, but it was like they weren't as focused at the beginning. And they should have had like three or four uh, BCS games during his his tenure there too, I think. Certainly, you know, the, the apex of that Riley era was kind of that that 08, 09, I mean, you're talking Oregon State put them in a position in back-to-back years where it came down to the Civil War to go to the Rose Bowl, and they couldn't get it done. And, you know, that, uh, yeah, that, that one still stings a little bit to this day. You know, I think back to, like, the war for, for the Roses back in the day and, you know, uh, those games that went along with it. And, you know, the most exciting part is so what is that rivalry going to be called now, especially when it comes on the schedule this year? Is it going to be the – Oregon State, Oregon game, the Willamette War. Who knows what it's going to end up being, but um, yeah, just a uh, an interesting kind of a uh, interesting tangent there. Uh, just kind of talking about those special moments, and you know, it's it's really cool for us, Jerry. You know, whether it's been with Ray, or whether it's been with Hard Rock, or Naz, or um, you know, any of the other subscribers we've had on, just hearing your guys' stories and how you know those defining moments that turned you you know turned your blood orange, so to speak. Uh, it is really cool for us and our, you know, we love the perspective of kind of hearing and knowing that Beaver football is what makes you guys tick. Well, basketball is pretty special in the eighties too. I mean, being number one in the nation and then being able to just uh, experience Gill Coliseum when there's 10,500 people just going nuts. I've never experienced anything like that. And I went to the championship game when the Blazers won the world championship oh. and and he gave me goosebumps right there, Ray. That was exciting. I was about 20 feet from Walton when he threw his jersey to the crowd. And that was exciting, but it wasn't any louder than here in Oregon State when they beat UCLA with Walton and George Tucker hit those fourth free throws. I remember we stormed the floor and, and got knocked to the ground. I was, I was getting uh, just buried by people, and I didn't care. It was awesome to be out there. Yeah, Ray, you're lucky you got to see that championship in 1977 because I'm not sure Rip City is going to be getting another one anytime soon. I'm holding out hope, but you're a lucky class being able to uh, know about all about 1977. That's special. Yeah, we, we were really lucky. We happened to go to Earthquake Ethel's, me and a buddy, because we couldn't get tickets. And then this guy was trying to scalp some to the guy in front of us. And my friend jumped in and said, I'll give you the money. And the guy goes, wait a minute. He goes, nope. He said yes. So we got tickets at the last minute and uh just being able to be in that situation and seeing that game 
that was pretty exciting. And and I got to meet Larry Steele later on, and you know one of the players in that in that team, and and you know he was a real class guy. So that was a that was such a great team. I mean, they were kind of like Oregon State basketball because they could just pass the ball and move the ball like crazy. Yeah, Dr. Jack Ramsey certainly had that team playing some fundamental basketball back in the day. Uh, in case you're just joining us here on the Edge podcast, managing editor Brennan Slaughter, joined by recruiting analyst Jared Hallis, and we're joined by Ray Davis, BeaversEdge.com premium subscriber. Appreciate Ray joining us on the Edge podcast. Uh, just to kind of start to wrap up, fellas, Ray, just kind of now that the news is settled in, right, we got football coming. I'm just kind of curious, what are you most excited for? Is it getting the football back? Is it, you know, waiting to a specific game? Is it waiting for that Oregon State-Oregon game? Is it just seeing the guys take the field? What's got you most jazzed up now that uh, the news has kind of started to settle down? Well, you know, I, I wasn't able to get to many games last year, so I went to the game at Washington State at the end of the year, and I, I happened to be able to get seats that were right down by the main, um, main area right by the field and seeing those guys the team is so much bigger and stronger and faster than i saw them in the last uh several years before uh smith came so i just want to see how those guys have developed because i think that that defense is going to be just fast and i think they're going to have a chip on their shoulder defensive line might be a little bit of a problem but i think that if they play with speed and if they play with a lot of stunts i think they'll be fine and their secondary looks like it's off the charts. And the linebackers are one of the top five groups in the whole nation, according to the yeah. prognosticators. So I'm excited to just see how that team gels. And, and I, wanna, I hope they get a chance to play Nolan because he seems pretty exciting. But I think Gebbia having his chance to get in there, I think that's great. He did a good job in the Civil War when he just got thrown in there at the last second. I'm curious, Ray, just because you mentioned the defense. You know, this was something the, the subscribers talked about last week. How big is it that, and again, I don't want to speak for him specifically because we don't know, but it's probably unlikely that Jordan Whitley is going to play this season. How big of a loss is it to not have basically Oregon State's penciled in nose tackle? I mean, we were, this was the year, you know, we were starting to see that the defensive line had come together. They had depth but they still kind of needed that marquee big guy right in the middle to kind of eat up space, kind of that Elu Aiden role, so to speak. And Jordan Whitley, you know, unfortunately thoughts and prayers out to him diagnosed with that heart condition, um, you know, just shortly before the season was postponed, but that's a huge loss. Huge. Well, it sounded like he was really getting himself into shape and was really, really having himself ready to have a big year. And then to have him go through, go to all that work and, Maybe Aiden uh, inspired him because, you know, he got himself ready for the combines and stuff that he never got to get into because he wasn't in shape. But when he was in shape, he looked really good. And if Whitley was, was going to be like Aiden and coming back like that, that was going to be such a huge uh, area for the Beavers. And to lose that is, is really big. But it's also big to lose it just be, lose them because of the way that they've lost him. I mean, the poor guy. I mean, he's dealing with a lot of stuff right now. Certainly. And again, we've, our, our thoughts and prayers are out to him. And again, we, we haven't heard anything definitive. You know, nothing's come from Oregon State. He simply just presented uh, the, situ- the facts that he has, that he has, you know, the heart condition um, going on right now. And, 
and and that's not to say that he will never play again. I don't I don't want to speak for him in that regard. You know, there have been instances of guys that have you know heart arrhythmia or so on and so forth where it gets better or you know guys return to the field. But in either way, you just feel for you feel for the kid. You know, he he worked so hard to you know get back to the field and. You know, maybe that's the silver lining. Maybe he need. Maybe it's a year off, but with this blanket waiver, you know, maybe he does work his way back to the field one day, optimistically thinking. Um, you know, again, don't want to speak for him, but I, I want to continue to hold out hope that uh, Jordan uh, will be able to hopefully play another down of football again, and if he doesn't, uh, at least be safe in all of his endeavors. Yeah, I just, uh, I just hope he gets better. That's my biggest uh, wish for him. Certainly, and just kind of just to just to kind of wrap it up even a little bit further, uh, Jared. Uh, kind of curious, uh, just from you, uh, we were kind of talking about what we're going to plan over the next couple of days. I know you kind of have the pulse on uh, recruiting a little bit. Um, what's kind of the initial reaction you've seen from those recruits? You know, uh, a month and a half ago, you know, you read all across the internet, it's D Day. The Pac-12 is going to have recruits jump ship left and right. There's going to be transfers. There's going to be this. Well, some of that happened, but not nearly as much. The the demise was way overrated. And, you know, the recruits mostly stayed locked in, and I'm sure now they're paying off from that diligence. Yeah, I mean, as far as Oregon State goes, they, they've all stayed locked in. Uh, so it's a beautiful thing, and it speaks to, to the job the staff has done and, you know, just the relationship that they've been able to build with these kids. But, you know, just talking about things that excite you, you know, that's what really is exciting me uh, is the fact that these kids – were initially, I mean, yesterday, they were having to deal with the fact that their dead period was now extended through the rest of the year. They probably won't be able to visit their, their schools, any school. And, no, probably not. And also, again, yesterday, today things have changed, but yesterday they're under the impression as well that they can't even see the Pac-12 schools or any schools that, any other schools that are uh, considering them play. So... For those guys, that had to be tough. So I'm very excited for them now to at least have the opportunity to, you know, watch some football, watch the team, you know, in Oregon State commits and targets case to watch the team that's been recruiting them. And for Oregon State, I think it's big, and I'll touch on this uh, in some articles that are upcoming. It's, it's big because part of what Jonathan Smith and his staff are trying to build is something that needs to be seen. It needs to, you know, be something that, they can see the recruits can visually see on the it field. It needs to be graspable, graspable. So instead of now having to refer back to, to last season, they'll have something to talk about this year, which I think is massive. Um, and I, you know, there's our, I've talked to a lot of kids already. There's definitely some excitement. Talked to some Oregon State commits who, you know, are, are super pumped, some targets who are already like, oh yeah, I'm going to be watching Oregon State this year. So it's, it's big. Yeah. It's very, very big, and it's going to help them not only for 2021, but the future as well. So it's uh, it's super exciting on the recruiting front, for sure. And, how much and did you it know help? what I – Go ahead, Ray. Go, go ahead, Ray. Yeah, yeah go ahead, Ray. Did, how much did it help them having Rajon Wright be on the Netflix show? I mean, that had to be a big recruiting deal. Yeah, I've actually heard a ton of guys mention that. It's it, it's massive. I mean, that show is a very big show. It's only continuing Huge. to grow. And for him to be like – you know, I heard that it was going to be a lane-in. I, I was like, I wonder if Ray's going to be on there. Sure enough, he's like probably – Shout out Netflix, man. Shout out the flicks. Probably the biggest character on there. You know, there's a couple of different episodes where they're over at their, their family's home and, 
you know, the whole family's decked out in, in Oregon State gear. You see the, the beaver everywhere in the background. Great marketing. And uh, just to your point, Ray, I've heard a ton of kids talk about it. Uh, there's some kids that have even been reached out to by him. So I think, you know, that's a credit to him doing a good job to use that exposure he's got as a way to bring some more talent with him uh, to, to Oregon State. No, and, and you mentioned the exposure, Jared. I mean, you know, anyone, you know, Last Chance You is, you know, it, it's pretty, it's pretty, you know, recognizable. I mean, you think about Netflix, I mean, you, you'd have to be pretty hard-pressed to not find a home in the United States that doesn't have a Netflix subscription in it right now. And you're talking, you know, having, you know, like you said, Beaver logos. I mean, that is something that puts eyeballs on your school. I mean, that is... That's huge. I mean, for a school like Oregon State that has, you know, has to, you know, really work hard. And when I mean work hard, they have to be, you know, hard hat, lunch pail type guys on that recruiting trail selling their vision. Every little bit helps. And, you know, when you mention uh, that as well, and then I think back to when, you know, we had uh, Sam Vidlak and Henry Buckles uh, on the podcast recently, Jared. And, you know, that was in the middle of, you know, the cancellation, middle of not so great news continuing to come in. And those guys were steadfast. They're like, we believe in this vision. It doesn't bother us. They're making the right decisions. They're going to come back when they're safe. And there it was. And it came that way. And I just think that goes to what the level of confidence that Smith and his staff, they say, we told you're going to come here. You're going to come here. Just be patient. Stay ready. So that way you don't need to get ready when it's time to go. Absolutely. I talked to JT Byrne today. and he, he may, you know, to your point, he was saying something very similar to that, just that he's very, uh, he believes in what the staff's telling him and he's confident that, that they have a plan in place. And he, he has a great attitude. You know this. Yeah. Um, he's such a very confident kid, super hard worker. And uh, awesome kid. maybe even more than that, he believes in this, in what the, the Oregon State staff has, has told him. And now, uh, like you said, it's kind of all coming to fruition a little bit. So it, it, it's important for those guys to see that for sure. Again, if you're just joining us here on the Edge Podcast, managing editor Brendan Slaughter, joined as always by my recruiting main man, Jared Hallis. And this week we're joined by Ray Davis, BeaversEdge.com premium subscriber. Just kind of wrapping it up here on the Edge Podcast now. Again, just going to kind of present the information again. The Pac-12 set to start football back up. And again, the weekend of November 6th and 7th to be determined uh, early next week is when we expect the schedule to come out. We'll see how all the matchups shake out and all that, but it is going to be a seven-game schedule, a conference championship game, uh, again, to hopefully put the Pac-12 in a position to at least be in consideration for a playoff for uh, should it get that far. And then uh, a lot of Oregon State fans have been very excited to hear when men's and women's basketball is going to start. I know a lot of people are excited to see what Scott Ruitt can do this year and Wayne Tinkle with the kind of new-look roster. Those uh, teams will start on November 25th. Uh, in accordance with the NCAA, they'll go off without a hitch. And for everyone else that is curious, because uh, it is relevant now, per Larry Scott, every school has the go-ahead to resume football practices now in accordance with their local health officials. From my understanding, Oregon State has gotten their complete green light and go-ahead from Benton County, which is, you know, Oregon State's local county here in Oregon. And... Without, you know, further ado, that leads me to believe we'll probably see that team back in pads at some point uh, next week. You know, maybe shells and shorts, obviously, to get started, the acclimation period and whatnot. But we'll be catching up with Jonathan Smith and Scott Barnes, I believe, uh, tomorrow. So make sure to stay uh, tuned to Beaver's Edge all weekend for all that content. Jared's going to have more from 
the recruits as they kind of get their reaction. And to be honest, now we're going to hit the round, hit the ground running, folks. You know, it's been a uh, you know slow couple months as far as you know real team content as far as getting into you know the analytics and pro football focus and bringing that back up again and you know really diving into schedule breakdowns and positional breakdowns and all that. So we're really looking forward to being able to bring that content back to you guys. And I know Jared's looking forward just to being able to turn on the TV and watch the Beavers play like you, right? I'm sure you guys are stoked beyond belief. I'm super excited. And we, we've got to just, while we're talking about Beavers Edge, there's a 70% off for an annual subscription going on right now. You guys got to take advantage of that. If, if you're not a sub already, there's no better time to get on board. Football's back. Recruiting obviously has been, you know, consistent, but it's going to continue ramping up from here. So there's no better time to jump on board. It's going to be a lot of content, and you're not going to want to miss it at all for really great value too. It's, I mean, just asking Ray right here. What do you, uh, what do you think about that? Would, would, would you take advantage? Tell, that, that tell everyone. Uh, I didn't know you had that that offer. So yeah, that sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> Oh, speaking of jump too, you know, jumping onto the offer, you guys got to get jump drive onto this program. I want to see what he has to say. Yeah, yeah. I said we've we've certainly gone down the list now, Jared. I mean, we're getting. I think we're getting close to almost double digit uh, podcast. And again, that is something that we do so unique here at BeaversEdge.com, and we want to continue to push that. You know, keeping bringing our subscribers together, bringing the recruits together on this podcast. We really feel that we have a unique podcast that, you know, really isn't matched as far as Oregon State Athletics. And, you know, this is just a piece. You know, Jared mentioned, uh, you know, these podcasts, we do them for free. This is something we like to do for you guys and get it out there. But the real good stuff is getting into the beaversedge.com, getting in with the message board. Uh, Ray, just kind of talk about how cool it is to have that message board and be able to talk shop with those Oregon State fans and, you know, that camaraderie on the board because – Beyond just, you know, the premium articles, the great analysis Jerry and I bring, you know, it's that subscriber bond and that, uh, you know, really close-knit community on the damn board uh, that really makes that uh, 70% off deal worth it. Well, you know, some of the some of the conversations you get into are just really fun. I mean, the sense of humor that some of the guys have is really good. So you see some posts that just, if you're drinking something, you're just going to spit it all over the place. <laughs> and then you got people like uh, Beef who... You know, he's so assertive about stuff. I just love reading his posts because that guy, he just goes after everything and he doesn't have a filter. So that's fun. And then you have Jump who is, you know, he's pretty opinionated, but it's always towards the benefit of the Beavers, which I love that. And, you know, he's such such a fan. And then you've got several other guys. I think I told you that I stole that line about Michael Scott today from Nazarite. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so I think it's great to have that camaraderie there. And the thing that I like most about it, it's there's so much going on in the country right now. And then you have you can go to that board and you just lose yourself in that. There's no politics or anything. We're all beavers. So it doesn't matter what we believe because we all believe in that. Couldn't have said it any better myself, right? <laughs> that, that is poetry in motion right there, brother. Okay. I, I, I could not have uh, said it any better. So we appreciate you, Ray. That'll go ahead and uh, wrap it up for this edition of the Edge Podcast. Again, make sure to keep it locked, beaversedge.com. It smiles all around on this podcast. We're all just beaming with excitement. We've got, you know, football coming back. I can see Jared's excited. Ray's excited. 
you know, we got something happy to talk about. We got it right in front of us now. And, you know, it's been a long journey, fellas. I mean, I tell you what, since March, it's been a journey. But, uh, you know, seeing football come back together, it's it's a special moment. And certainly look forward to uh, continuing to bring uh, Ray and many other uh, Beaver's Edge subscribers like you content over the next couple months. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be big. Jared and I uh, can't wait. So uh, um, make sure to keep it locked to that. Ray, we appreciate you jumping on, my man. It was awesome getting to know you and uh, look forward to uh, continuing to uh, hear from East Beave on the board. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. All right, so for Ray Davis and Jared Hallis, this is Brennan Slaughter signing off on this edition of the Edge Podcast. Make sure to keep it locked to beaversedge.com and check out um, all of our content. We're going to have this uh, video edition up on YouTube. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. And also uh, like us on Twitter as well. Give us a follow at Jared Hallis at B Slot. So this is Brennan Slaughter signing off on this edition of the Edge Podcast. Pac-12 football is back.